G'day and welcome to The Gardening Show on Radio Karam. I'm Henry. And I'm Brendan. Join us every fortnight as we chat about everything green and delicious in the world of gardening and local food production. We're a couple of local dads with a real love for digging in the dirt, sustainable living, growing our own food and just giving it a go. We're also two of the hands behind the scenes at Downs Community Farm, a little non-for-profit garden uh, and gathering space right next to the Seaford wetlands. In short, this show is all about spreading the words, spreading the word on the joys of home gardening in our local area. Expect some general gardening banter, hot tips for a bumper crop, horticultural deep dives, and a few tunes to get those green thumbs tapping. But as always, we'll start with an acknowledgement of country, Brendan. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Henry. And hello, everybody. Just before we get started, love to do a quick acknowledgement of country. And we pay our respects to um, the traditional custodians of the land, the Boonwurrung and Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging and recognise that the land was never ceded. We absolutely appreciate and give thanks for everything that the land gives us. It's really wonderful. Well said. What did we cover last week? Yeah, we did a fair bit of stuff. We were talking <laughs> we were talking tropical stuff. We were talking lychees, rambutans, longans, mm. um, which is awesome. And we did a big, big dive on preserving food. So what happens when you've got too much food? Mm. What do you do with it? Um that was awesome, actually. It was really good. That was a good really, show. Really enjoyed it. What have we got today? Today, so we're going to do a spotlight on uh, something that I think every home gardener is familiar with, mm. um, certainly purchasing this, uh, bamboo. Mm. So not just the stuff that you buy, but actually growing bamboo and uh, all the uses for it. And we'll also, um, very topical, put this in here, we'll talk a bit about gardening during heat waves because mm. yep. we've had a few... In the We've past had few weeks, scorches, and tomorrow's going to be another uh, one in Melbourne. That's for one. sure. Mm. Uh, so very timely. Well done. Yeah, uh, and don't forget, as always, uh, send through any gardening questions to us on the line here: oh four nine three two one three eight three one. That's oh four nine three two one three eight three one. Or in between shows, you can email us at the email thegardeningshowradio at gmail dot com. Excelente. Um, before we get started, we're going to jump into a song, but have you been, Henry? I've been good. You've I've been, been I've been, uh, I've been rebuilding a community garden mm. um, at, for work, um, for public housing tenants, uh, or residents, I should say, not tenants. Um, and yeah, it's it's been very all-consuming. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. we sort of um, said it would take, you know, about four or five weeks to mm. complete. Uh, we're in that sort of second last week. So the garden beds have gone in. Um, filled with soil, 60 cubic metres of soil. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so 22 quite large raised garden beds. Um, we've put in a concrete path. We built a pergola yesterday. Uh, we've redone all the plumbing uh, for taps and things. Uh, so we're getting to the pointy end, uh, the fun part where I get to go buy a bunch of plants mm. to put in the communal beds and some fruit trees. Uh, but it has meant a lot of very early starts and long days in the heat. In the heat. In I was going to say, how are you surviving the heat? <laughs> Have you had any strategies or are we going to get to them later? Uh, hydration. 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 Super important. As much as you think you need a drink, drink five times more than that. Mm. I've been going probably five litres a day of water. Wow. And uh, yeah, taking lots of breaks. Taking lots of breaks. I that's think that's it. really, really important. 
we can get into that uh, mm. go, go, go and we forget about stopping and, and taking a breather every now and again. Definitely. And especially when it's hot out in the sun. Yeah. That's really important. No one wants heat stroke. No. <laughs> How about you? How are you going? Yeah, you're pretty good. Pretty good. We'll get to it in a bit, uh, in a bit of detail later, oh, but <laughs> there's been some challenge in the garden. Oh, me too. All right. <laughs> uh, first track, this one's uh, called Water Damage, which... Again, something that can happen in gardens. It's true. I'm, yep. st- I'm still staying on the path um, by Dick Diver. Stroke can happen to anybody at any age. The best way to help someone is to learn the signs of stroke and know how to act fast. F is for face. Has their face drooped? A is for arms. Can they lift both arms? S is for speech. Is their speech slurred? Do they understand you? T is for time. Call triple zero. Time is critical. If you see any of these symptoms, act fast. Learn the signs of stroke and you could save a life. Go to strokefoundation.org.au forward slash fast to find out more. Welcome back to The Gardening Show. I'm Henry. I am Brendan. And we are on Radio Karen. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) That was... Who was that? That was Dick Diver (laughs) with their song Water Damage. That's right. I was curious as well. I would love to hear what people consider their gardening tunes. That's a, Yeah, definitely. Uh, so if you're out there and listening, pl- this is going to be a, a request. <laughs> Send us in. Tell us what you listen to when you're out in the garden. Mm. You, do you love the, just the sound of nature and the insects and the wind and the birds or do you put some tunes on? Um, and if so, what, what gets you gardening? Yeah, I mean outside of listening to this show on repeat, mm. of course. As, as you do. Uh, as you do. That's what uh, everybody does, right? What do you right? listen to? Yeah. Acid jazz, <laughs> death metal, <laughs> old classical music, operas. Could be, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Rigoletto in the garden. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. What's been going on in your patch? You, you alluded to challenges. Yeah, let's go into the challenge first. Mm. <laughs> okay. My challenge is going to be called... <laughs> Nervous laughter. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Doggo destruction. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've actually rehomed a, a dog recently and he's joined the family mm. and he is a German shorthead pointer. Uh, so he's a pr- on the larger side of things, mm. I would say. We're talking 30 kilos, thereabouts. This is your second GSP as well. And it? this is our second GSP. Mm. And we do love that. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous dogs. Um, and we've, we have an inherited behaviour, which is, <laughs> oh, no. I think, a little bit of digging yeah. and uh, trying to burrow through to next door um, and kicking out as he's digging, kicking that dirt out of the raised bed. And onto the garden path. So that that real like cartoon mm. dog behavior. Absolutely, <laughs> oh, absolutely. No. Um, so this is in a raised bed, which is quite a long raised bed mm. as well. So it's one single uh, retaining wall, yeah. and I kind of look at the whole thing as a, a big raised bed that I want to plant and keep vegetables into. Yeah, um, in, we've negotiated in terms of having open space in the garden for the kids and the dogs to play around with and then some raised spots specifically for garden beds and yeah. productive stuff, which all four. However, I must say it is a bit disheartening putting a lot of energy and effort into growing things and popping things in when I come back out and all the carrots got squished. Oh, no. Do you remember? Actually, it was probably a couple of months ago I was speaking about uh, gridding out carrots and putting a frame down, a cattle mesh sort of frame so that everything would be measured out and I'd be putting carrots in particular spots. Yeah. 
giving them the best chance at survival, they all got squished. Oh, no. I lost them all. <laughs> we had... Um, I laughed because I'm uncomfortable. It hurts <laughs> to hear this, not because I think it's funny. We had squished eggplants, um, all sorts of different bits and pieces. And, of course, the sand or the soil is very sandy where we are. So any time that that dog has been digging up, it's kind of just bringing all the sand to the surface and yeah. when I kind of wash things away to even it out or I'm um, brooming it back into into its place, um, it's very dusty now. So oh, no. my, my, my challenge is a digging-related doggo challenge and it's what? how to deter and keep out of my garden beds. What's, yeah, what, well, that's going to be my next question is, is what have you thought of any, any solutions to mm. this problem yet? Mm, yes. So I'm thinking uh, building a, a, almost a bamboo box or frame yep. that's going to go into the garden bed, which essentially is going to create a bit of a wall, um, yep. not not a wall that's going to be a, a fixed wall um, or a solid wall, but something that will still deter a dog from jumping up there, yep. hopefully, um, but also gives the, tr- the plant something to trellis and climb along. Win-win. Uh, so with double win, yes. Mm. I was thinking bamboo because it's nice and light. I can lift it out and put it back in. So maybe we'll get to bamboo in a little yeah. bit. Um, or I was thinking more along the lines of the cattle mesh grid um, style and getting up to mm. some of those spots and trying to block them or create yep. a, a little wall. So if I've got a rectangular piece of cattle mesh mm. with then two legs down into it, um, pop it into the ground to physically create a barrier yeah. um, and a deterrent that way. Apart from that, I am trying to do, of course, the absolutely sensible things when, when you've got two active dogs and that is lots of walks, morning walks and evening walks and yep. giving them things that are going to entertain them and chew toys and all of those sorts of things as well and trying to keep their mm. minds occupied, um, which I think is very, very important. But that's been a challenge and it has been a little bit disheartening to put in work and then have yeah, that work imagine. somewhat be dug away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that's one challenge that's been happening in the garden. It's all doom and gloom today, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I must say, uh, tomatoes and cucumbers still going very, very strong. Mm. Uh, down at the farm on the weekend and having a look at cucumbers, there were loads, yep. loads and loads, which was wonderful. Um, giving the planter and pre- prepping one of those planting beds, we were mentioning those journey trees, uh, sorry, the nursery trees yeah. and foundation trees, the small fruit trees like the tamarillo to, to pop in as a uh, almost like a guild tree but in a planting box, in a planter yeah. bed, a raised bed. And so before I pop the trees in or look at that approach, I want to give the bed a full clean out. I want to dig out mm. the, the existing soil clear it out of any um, kikuyu that's that's burst through and is yeah. travelling through. So uh, often you find those beds are full of long runners and mm. we can pull them out by hand but you know that you're never getting get, get yeah, them all. That's it. Um, so I'm thinking I want to pull out all the soil, put it all on a tarp and then re-dig, reset and re-set up the planter bed. Yeah. Give it a whole new refurb, uh, new facelift. Um, what else? What about you? We'll jump. Let me circle back on other things I mean, happening. Just off of the back of what you just said, yeah, I'm definitely look. I'm, I'm looking ahead to that that reset. Mm. I've just put in a few more bits and bobs in the garden: some Asian greens, some lettuce, some kale. Um, now that a few things have come out, 
So I've taken out the zucchinis. I probably could have gotten a few more mm-hmm. off one of the plants, but I said, oh, I've had enough zucchini. I can't eat any more zucchini. <laughs> so <laughs> that's done. Um, the small little, uh, I can't remember what they're called, golden nugget pumpkins. They're like miniature Halloween style pumpkins. Yeah, yep. Um, yeah, got quite a few of them as well, um, which we roasted them all up and just have them you know, put aside for, for meals and stuff. Uh, I've got a couple of, uh, large crookneck pumpkins that mm. I'm waiting for before I pull that vine out. It's half of it has died. It's also re-sprouted a bunch more and popped out a few more little pumpkins. Mm. But I just don't think they'll have time to to mature. Um, having said that, the first pumpkin I pulled was I don't know if I told you about it. It was nine point seven kilos. Way. So it was a monstrous pumpkin, <laughs> something as big as my daughter. Um, so that that's just got pride of place <laughs> just on the <laughs> counter like nobody eat it nobody touch it uh, pretty pretty chuffed with that one uh i've got yeah I had okay success with cucumbers this year um i don't know what it was i just i think i just started everything a little bit too late and it just it took a while to get going hmm. and the weather that we've had as well has been very very up and down up and all down over and, the place and i've been having very early days at work and not being able to get out there on hot days and mm. water in the morning and just it's just been tricky. But I've got a few loofah that are sizing up. So I'm just, you know, I thought if I can get three or four and then, you know, let them dry out fully, full size, cut them up, I'll have, you know, potentially, I don't know, 20 to 30 little sponges, yeah. you know, that I can you use. Dish cloths. And just, just put them away for, you know, for dishwashing and things. So pretty happy with that. Um, and I did just... Uh, I did reset one of my raised beds, my sort of um, sort of it's one of those, you've seen it, like a planter bag mm-hmm. type thing, but it's about a meter diameter. And I've made that into a sort of medicinal slash tea bed. Okay. So I've got some chamomile in there. I've got three different varieties of echinacea. Mm. Um, I've got a lemon verbena in the middle. Lemon which verbena. Which will be the sort of great smallish tree shrub in yep. the middle. And I'm going to interplant some more things around there, some calendula, a few other bits and bobs. Um, so I'm pretty happy with that. And then, yeah, chilies have done pretty well. So I'm just waiting on on those to finish fruiting and then I'll start the overwintering process, mm. um, which mm-hmm. can we can go into in another episode maybe. Oh, I think we did talk about it when we talked about we, chilies. We, we have. We have spoken about overwintering, but mm. we were just discussing a little bit before the show um, one of the – I've got a chili plant at the moment mm. and it's actually turned into a small tree. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. um, and it's been around, it's now in the second year. Mm. Uh, the the trunk has really wooded up quite a yeah. lot and it's a lot browner. It's very much different sort of colour to the rest of the stems and, mm. and branches. Uh, and so I'm going to try and overwinter this one again. I think it's in a good spot to to take in that heat and the sunlight even during the winter months. Um, but I think that's going to be good. And there were loads. It's a Mad Hatter. Um, oh, so they're for, oh, okay. So yeah. it's a Mad Hatter um, chilli or pepper. Not super hot, um, this one, I don't believe. It's just nice eating, nice and sweet. Yeah. And um, lots, lots and lots, kind of 60 or 70. It's about... Wow. Oh, I'm going with the hands now, so... Maybe about the size of the crookneck pumpkin. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so probably about uh, yeah, fifty centimeters yeah. Uh, in in or a meter in 
in width yeah. of the actual brush of the uh, wow. of the plant, which is pretty cool. The canopy, you call it a canopy, canopy. now, it's a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow, that's great. What else? We've been doing some observations down at the farm mm. and I was really f- uh, had a great day out with uh, some some uh, year 11 students. Uh, doing ah, the David course, Scott School. Yeah, which was wonderful. And what we did was we were ch- trying to have a look for similarities and we had a few different uh, a few different items that uh, or plants that we found in there and I'll jump into them just now because I've listed them out here and then we're going to jump into the uh, scientific name for each of them yep. and you'll see why we're looking for uh, for these you know, <laughs> no, <laughs> similarities. Like, uh-huh. yep. So specifically we were checking out flowers and leaves, so leaf structure and flower structure and the, the ones that we were looking at is pepino and potatoes and tomatoes <laughs> and blackberry nightshade and we didn't have any but that fills into this spot, tamarillos as well. Yeah. Among many, many, many others. And now what is the common scientific term? They all come from the same family, yeah. the Solanum family. That's right. So Pepino is Solanum. So we've mentioned these ones before, but Solanum uh, muricatum. Uh, potato is the Solanum, Solanum tuberosum. Uh, tomato is the Solanum lycopersicum. Blackberry nightshade is the Solanum nigrum. And the Tamarillo is the Solanum beta. Betasium, I think. Betasium. Betasium. Oh, beautiful. Love that. Mm. So, the Solanum, we're all the same family. And what we found is that in various similarities, the potato leaves, uh, sorry, the leaves of these plants and yeah. also the flowers shared a lot of similarities. Um, They're either poisonous. Being <laughs> <laughs> but yes, they do all look very similar. Mm, yeah. Mm. Uh, so that was really that was really cool, and there was some of the students who were picking out different ones and looking at different ones, and we wound up clearing the uh, the nightshade <laughs> from the market garden <laughs> from area. the market garden Wonderful. area, uh, which was really great, and it was an, an interesting learning opportunity. So fascinating there. Mm. Um, I think that's ah now not quite on what I've been doing, but interesting news in the garden space. I'm going to ask you something, Henry. Have you heard about this uh, greening the desert program through the World Food Program in Senegal? I have because the person that you've put here who made the video about it mm-hmm. is uh, one of my favorite YouTubers. Hey. Uh, he's a very well-known American permaculturalist. Yes. So let's just do a shout out to mm. this very quickly because this was coming up is what's interesting in the gardening space. And it was just a, I'm not sure if it's hit your uh, algorithm feed on YouTube of looking at gardening videos as well. Mm. But uh, it was said the UN is looking at holding back uh, the Sahara, Sahara Desert yeah. through planting trees and essentially planting a, a green wall. Yeah. So I'm not going to go into it a huge amount, but greening the desert and it's called the Green Wall of Africa Project and it's called, uh, as we mentioned, it's through the UN and it's through the World Food Program. And uh, one particular video and, and a big shout out to this permaculture instructor, Andrew Millison. Uh, he's created, only goes for about 10 minutes and he's on the ground in Senegal as well. Mm. Um, but I'd, I'd love to talk about a little bit further some of the strategies and techniques that they were using, some yeah. of the plants that they were growing. Um, was a really interesting in, a, 
idea and attempt and undertaking to essentially hold back the encroaching Sahara Desert through mm. this region called the Sahel, which is north of the rainforests in, be- in between the, uh, the Sahara yep. and doing this by planting a wall of trees. It's uh, the most badass way to do it. It's just, <laughs> just thousands of kilometres wide exactly. wall of trees. <laughs> All the way from the east to the west coast. I and love that. Senegal is on the, on the west coast, far yep. west coast of, of Africa. Um, and uh, it seems like there's a real drive mm. in Senegal to undertake this project and to kickstart it and set an example of what can happen here. Um, but we'll talk about it next time, I think. Shouting out a few plants in there, there was some acacia, there mm. was um, millet and sorghum and there was another one which was called moringa. And moringa, I feel like I've heard that before. And I think I definitely I want to do a bit of a spotlight and a deep dive on moringa because all okay. of these plants are beneficial plants um, but moringa is an amazing plant. So there will be plenty of people who will be very familiar with moringa and eating it, consuming it, using it. Yeah. Um, so let's let's throw that one out there as something interesting to watch between now or investigate between now and next episode. Absolutely. And I do encourage listeners, have a look at Andrew Millison uh, on, on YouTube. Uh, he's well known for his sort of, I guess they're called like mini lectures that he does. I mean, mm. we're talking 10 to 20 minutes at most uh, where he uses a large like a see-through whiteboard, I guess it's just a large pane of glass mm-hmm. and sort of um, fluorescent markers and does insanely detailed um, diagrams and pictures and yep. uh, while he's trying to teach um, permaculture principles, it might be water collection or, um, you know, tree health or whatever it is. And he also has access, some of his earlier videos, to, I don't even know how to describe this, it's like a, I literally am not, I can't, I have no words to describe what this is. <laughs> it's it's like a sort of a virtual, not virtual reality, augmented reality type screen um, that has a 3D model of, he uses it to teach contours. Mm, and like, you okay. Know, how water flows through landscapes, mm-hmm. it's collected, ridges, valleys, all that sort of stuff, which is a big part of, of permaculture training. And you can sort of, as he touches it, he can sort of add water to this live picture and then the water will move through it naturally and he can yep. just touch it over here and it will just move water through. It's I can't even explain it. but Fascinating. Really interesting way to learn some of these topics. Um, so check him out. And he's got some great of those sorts of, um, like you've mentioned, more video articles on interesting things happening around the world. Um, one that stands out to me is a nursery, I think in – South Central LA, a really rough, pretty rough area. Um, a lot of challenges that those people experience, in particular with incarceration. And I can't remember what it's called, the name of this nursery, but they only hire uh, people that have been in the correctional system mm-hmm. um, who obviously really struggle to find work and, you know, changing lives and, and a wildly successful nursery too mm. because of it. Um, so, yeah, check them out. Amazing. And probably taking to that, yeah, (laughs) colourful, infographic, um, Mm. very visual, very creative and talented in in like how he draws and puts things forward, but also does it in a way that's um, very educational. Yes. Uh, So showing how the systems work as opposed to just 
speaking how the systems definitely work. he's a real and i say this with all of the love and compliment in the world a real nerd <laughs> of the best variety <laughs> like so awesome to learn from um but yeah uh shall we get into another song i think so great bring it on um next we're going to talk about bamboo so i thought only it's only right to choose a song called bamboo <laughs> and this one's by elder island Hi everybody, this is Wit from Spiderbait. When I'm passing through Karam, aside from slowing down to 50 kilometres an hour and reminisce about doing the Ill Race Road Rumba or the Watley Street Wiggle, I like to tune in to Radio Karam and get down with the good vibes. And we're back. Who was that? That was... Elder Island with Bamboo. Bamboo. Which is what we're talking about now. Beautiful segue. <laughs> uh, so we thought we'd do a, a bit of a spotlight on bamboo because it's it's something that, as I said at the start of the show, I think most gardeners, certainly all food gardeners, have experience with. Um, but usually no experience with the plant, mm. just the product that comes from the plant. Right. So when we're talking mm. gardeners having used bamboo, are we talking about trellises nice and easy we're going down to one of the shops and we need something to grow a tomato with and so we get a nice easy lightweight steak essentially yep flexible reusable to an extent yep yep that's it uh but there's a lot of other uses for bamboo and in particular when you have it in its living form (laughs) but there is a few things to consider there's obviously different types of bamboo ones that you you know, want and ones that you probably don't want, mm-hmm. depending on your situation. Um, I think everyone has has some gardener in their life that is pulling their hair out <laughs> about <laughs> removing bamboo. Um, but there are there are options there. But let's who's, get into. I get, sorry, go. No, I was going to say, who's fought bamboo and what did you do? Oh yeah, please <laughs> do tell us. Uh, well, I'll tell you about um, one of one of my uh, well, my partner's best friends, uh, one of my friends as well. Um, she, she posted a video on Instagram, oh, I don't know, maybe six months ago, uh, on her hands and knees, pulling out bamboo from her garden. <laughs> it was quite a mighty challenge. Wow. She's getting in there, you know, basically shovel, pickaxe, like pickaxe. anything at all yep, you yep. could and pulled out such a massive root. And I guarantee there's probably been a few shoots since then. Since then, yeah. You know, it's almost impossible to get rid of, what especially the- that, um, yeah, sort of that creeping rhizomous um, running bamboo. Running That's bamboo. The I'm looking for running bamboo. Well, there might be uh, there might be a, peop- a load of people who really don't have any much experience with bamboo at all, and mm-hmm. they might have seen lucky bamboo in in a little pot or <laughs> course, something. Yeah. And we put it on the on the uh, on the windowsill. But tell us about the actual plant. Yeah, so a little bit of a botanical overview. It's a member, well, it's a type of grass, as I think most people are aware. Um, member of the grass family, Poaceae. Poaceae. Um, so mm. uh, the poas, I suppose. Subfamily, Bambusoidea. That's good. Bambusoidea. Um, so Bambuso. Is is uh is I've heard it referred to bambusa or bambusa, bambusa, uh, which mm, is actually mm. one of the well-known species. So there's mm. over fourteen hundred species of bamboo. <clears throat> so it's one of those ones. It's like eucalyptus, I guess, where there's way more species than you realize. Mm. Um, but 
it, certain ones are, are very important over others, much like some eucalypts, koalas eat. Many, most they don't. Hmm. Um, I guess it's probably similar with bamboo and pandas. I don't know. Don't quote <laughs> me on that. I probably <laughs> just pulled that out of thin air. Um, but over 1,400 species, including uh, Philostachus, mm-hmm. Bambusa, which is one I have experience with, and Dendrocalamus. Um, that's a fun word to say. Mm. Uh, they are known, of course, for having a hollow stem with jointed nodes uh, and evergreen foliage. That's a great option if you want something that doesn't lose its leaves throughout the year. Uh, known, of course, for their rapid growth. Some can grow up to an inch a day. Um, well known. I think it used to be a torture technique in ancient <laughs> really in ancient times. No, people would be strung up over bamboo and it would grow through them or something, <gasps> something horrible like that. Oh. Uh, that that's how fast they can grow. I never, uh, never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so fun morbid fact, um, and they are adaptable to many different climates and elevations as well. They're found in lots of different types of climates as as people will know if they have traveled to southeast asia mm. or or east northeast asia yeah i, yep. I was Japan, gonna say Japan, the, very the, well known the greater greater asia region mm. um we can find bamboo all over the place yep. yeah yep for sure um and you're mentioning before rapid growth like fast growth mm. Mm, Am I? I want to get validated here because I was reading that bamboo is the fastest, or can to particular types of bamboo can be the fastest growing plant that we have that we know. I about. believe so. I believe that's right. Mm. Feel free, listeners. Oh four nine three two one three eight three one. Correct us if we're wrong. Yep. Validate us if we're right. But I do believe um, that there is one variety that is known as the fastest variety, wow. and I think many of them are in the top. 10 or whatever yep. i mean it's almost as it's almost so fast you can see it grow yeah <laughs> it's yeah pretty yeah. wild yep so we're talking mm. daily yeah. changes um in in growth uh I've, i do have one friend who had a, a bamboo wall created a bamboo wall mm. in the garden and as it was developing and maturing it was that it was brendan i can't believe it it's grown another foot and it's only been a couple of days yeah it's just astronomically quick the good thing about bamboo as well is you know, we're, we're pretty used to seeing a few different sizes of bamboo, especially mm-hmm. in the shops um, in terms of thickness. But you can get bamboo that is, you know, 10 centimetres in diameter, mm-hmm. massive, thick, basically timber in the way that it operates. Yep. And it is used that way in some places as mm-hmm. scaffolding. Yeah. Mm. Yep. I, was, I, I was having a think about different areas and – uh, my experience with bamboo, which is very limited, mm. my knowledge is very limited, so I really wanted to have a bit of a think about it. And I I popped my, my mind back to some previous travels when I was a bit younger and going through Thailand and um, recognising and realising the scaffolding that was used on many, many buildings was made from bamboo uh, <laughs> and seemed to work very, very well. Strong and flexible. Makes sense. I yeah. won't throw it up for the OH&S debate. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, very versatile, very, very much used mm. in, in many places as construction and building material. Yeah. So some, some growing bamboo at home sort of... Um, underlying things uh so of course it's popular for you know it's it's aesthetic appeal as well it's it's quite an attractive plant mm, not all cool. species i think but there's some that i think look really really nice um environmental benefits as well 
Um, we'll go into them in a little bit more detail. And, of course, it's versatility in terms of there's got lots of different uses um, outside of just staking up your tomatoes. Um, so definitely something there. Uh, it is important to know that, you know, different species will have slightly different conditions and will do better in different areas. In terms of the ones that you can find in the shops, and they're not that common, um, certainly not at the big green shop, um, but you can find them at nurseries. Not exactly cheap either, but I'll go into that. Um, but it's worth noting that the ones that you can sort of buy here are pretty adaptable to here. Mm. So you don't really have to go out of your way to do a ton of research outside of a few key things. They generally do like a well-draining soil. They like sunlight as well um, and regular watering, which is part of why they grow so quick mm. <laughs> is they need water. Um, but having said that, super adaptable. They, you could probably find a bamboo for any location um, in your garden. Suitable for all types of gardens, patios, containers, and even indoor, as you said, um, yep. with your little... Lucky bamboo. <laughs> Lucky bamboos. <laughs> Twirled around uh, in a circle. It can totally be an indoor plant. Um, and really importantly, there are two kinds, generally speaking, those that are clumping and those that are running. When people complain about bamboo getting everywhere... Bamboo in my neighbor's yard has gone under my fence, under my driveway, mm -hmm. popped up on the other side of my garden. Mm -hmm. That's usually the running variety. And I would say, unless you're planning on keeping bamboo in a pot or in one, not even a raised garden bed, no, a pot <laughs> with a bottom. <laughs> Needs to be totally uh, detached yeah, with from a bottom the and, and on a saucer. I don't want any contact between <laughs> the soil in that pot and the soil in the ground. Of course, go for a running variety, but generally we want to be looking for clumping varieties. And that's most of what's available, I, I find, these days. You were saying it was, there was a word in there that you threw out there and we, I want to re, revisit that word because mm. it is a lovely, lovely word, rhizome. Rhizome. Mm, tell me, what is a rhizome again? A rhizome is a, it's basically a, you could consider it to be a fleshy root, mm. essentially. Um, so... It's underground, it's in the roots, it's, underground. it's a bit of a nodule. Yeah, so it's a storage device essentially. Storage, so yeah. It, okay. it, stores, it stores nutrient, um, carbohydrates, of course, for plants. Yep. Um, so a potato is a rhizome, a mm. sweet potato is a rhizome, uh, a carrot. Is a carrot a rhizome? That's more just a taproot, isn't it? Mm. So yeah, not quite, but a potato is. Maybe a Jerusalem artichoke? <laughs> Jerusalem artichoke, yep, absolutely. Uh, ginger, yep, another one. Uh, so yeah, roots typically are just funnels. They suck things up into the plant. Uh, rhizomes store energy for um, for other times. And so these can spread through rhizomes, essentially going out, branching out with the root system, mm. and then popping up another nodule and essentially giving a new base for a plant to grow off. Exactly right. And then you can you can cut out a part of that rhizome. And plant it somewhere else. Mm. It's really easy to spread that way. Whereas runners, um, running varieties, think of them more like kakuyu grass. Like <laughs> you just see them; they'll go everywhere. Right? They'll go under things. They'll 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 go through rocks if they can. You know. So yeah. But yeah, rhizomes. Nice little side side note there. Side shoot. A side shoot. A nice little side shoot there. <laughs> Sorry, had to. <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. <laughs> so, Brendan, what are some what are some uses and applications? Yeah, so we we spoke about it before, but trellising, fencing, uh, and building 
Um, mm. So very high tensile strength and lots of flexibility in, in bamboo. Uh, often we see it, we know that it's hollow, uh, but we've, you can see things made like uh, on, on water. So <laughs> bamboo-style um, flooring I've seen. Mm. We've seen... Chopping boards. Chopping boards yeah. made out of bamboo. Now, of course, bamboo... Chopping chopsticks that yep. uh, are being repurposed into mm. into finished woods and crushed and um, uh, reused again. There's a lot of different uses in from a construction point of view. Then we're also thinking about eating bamboo. We yeah. can eat bamboo shoots, can't we? That's it. So lots of Asian dishes and cuisines have got bamboo shoots. They're obviously going to be very, very young baby shoots of mm. bamboo where it hasn't become quite hard and, and full. It would still be oh, – sorry, and, and hollow. It would still be quite full. And it does have a bit of a unique texture and flavour. I've had bamboo shoots I love in bamboo stir shoots. fry before. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't mind it at all. What about craftsmanship? Well, as, as you sort of mentioned, uh, it is becoming increasingly more and more popular as a, as a wood substitute. Mm. Um, many reasons for that. Cost is one of them, but also uh, there's a certain environmental angle you can take and that it is incredibly fast growing and therefore it is, you know, timber is renewable, but it's not as quickly renewable. Mm. Um, but then you have to balance uh, forests being cut down to plant bamboo forests you know mm. and that's there's the dilemma but uh that's yeah it can use for all kinds of things uh furniture even um i've seen musical instruments oh, yeah, made yeah. out of bamboo um as you as you said they're replacing wooden cutlery with bamboo wooden chopping boards with bamboo toothbrushes um, toothbrushes anything at all um if it's got an eco label on it it's probably got bamboo in it somewhere uh so yeah it, it's 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 a good one to use for that. It's relatively easy to work, uh, quick to grow and cheap to acquire. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so we've talked about the environmental side of things. We talked about rapid growth. We talked about extensive root systems. Uh, what that can help with is, of course, soil stabilisation. Yes, anything uh, that's really rhizomous and full of roots, mm. great way to stabilise a slope. Mm. Yeah. So control erosion. Um, also, we could use it as a windbreak, couldn't we? Absolutely. That's or a one of screen, the bamboo best, screening. Best one of the best uses for it is is a windbreak because it grows quick, mm. and often when we have a wind problem, we're having it already, so we want something quickly to put up there. Um, and screening, you know, it's 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 that nice balance of um, you can see through it, but it blocks a lot of that visual thing. Which, mm. from a plant perspective, uh, from a, a garden design perspective, there's few other plants that can provide that type of screening, mm-hmm. um, you know, similar to a batten fence, essentially. Yep. Uh, but, but you know, but it grows and you can, you, can, uh, you can propagate it. Is there other stuff that you can do with bamboo? There's so many. There's so many. Uh, of course, textiles even. Bamboo clothes. Bamboo clothes. Hey. I believe I have a few pairs of bamboo underwear. Hey. Like just random stuff like that, you yeah, know. Yeah. Like it's, it is actually useful as a textile. It's... It's almost, I've heard it referred to as the new hemp uh-huh, uh-huh. in terms of its uses. Um, I won't quite agree with that, but pretty close. Um, the fabric is actually really good because it's soft, it's breathable, it's natural. Um, and it actually does have a natural antibacterial property. Mm. Um, so good for, you know, gym clothes and things. It's fascinating because you mentioned that. And these are, these are 
well, when I think about bamboo, I think of something that is one of the most highly used, utilized materials when it comes to this to, to other uses. Mm. Um, uh, I, I think it's fantastic in that respect. Um, one of the things you know, I was talking back to the past travels, and we were talking about Thailand and the scaffolding construction, uh, and there's also the the beauty. You were saying it looks really good. Mm. Well, I'm for, fortunate at one stage to travel through Japan and uh, it was in Western Kyoto. There's Ashiyama, uh, I believe. It's mm. an area which is a bamboo forest. Um, but I think everyone's seen photos of that that place, right? It's and we're talking mm. super tall bamboo. And actually, if you even look down on it on Google Maps and, and zoom down on, you can see the bamboo in comparison to the other trees and forests yeah, in the right. area and because, of course, they're much thinner. It, it's got a different canopy shape from the top. So mm. it had this unique-looking top-down approach as well. But wandering through some of the bamboo forests and groves in uh, Japan was incredible. Uh, and it also uh, took me to another point, which was that there wasn't just green and kind of yellowy green going into that brown colour. There was also a, a quite a vibrant black bamboo. Yeah. If you've ever seen this. I've seen that and I've also seen like quite a deep red bamboo as well. Like a yeah. Dark purpley red. Which is very cool. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be just a green, a green plant or mm. a green uh, wall in that respect. But I guess to probably a little bit of a summing up and why I was thinking, why is this such a useful plant? So we, we touched on a bunch of them and, and some of it is why it can be a challenging plant yeah. as well. <laughs> That's it. Is yeah. that we, we mentioned it's super fast to grow. It doesn't require huge amounts of f- fertilizer. It can regenerate from its own roots. Um, it can thrive essentially without care. Sure, um, and neglect. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking resistance to pests as well. So you're not going to get many pests which are going in to eat a woody base of of a bamboo plant yeah that's unless true. we're talking about pandas and i think we can do with more pandas yeah. so i'm okay with that i'll put it out there <laughs> just get bamboo uh, <laughs> and then contact your local zoo and see if you can home a panda <laughs> but i found found it really interesting to, to hear and to read and, and do a bit of discovery around how it spreads and how it can spread quite mm. quickly as running and through the rhizomes and and things like this so very, very fascinating, hmm. very fascinating plant. And a last little point, um, if you're looking to buy bamboo, uh, you might have noticed if you've looked into it that it can seem quite expensive. You mentioned this before, tell me. Yeah, so I, I recently purchased 40 bamboo plants uh-huh. for work. <laughs> uh, again, to screen. Because you're starting a bamboo forest yeah, exactly. in the garden. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in Richmond. Uh, we have a community garden in Richmond and... You know, it's it's smack bang in the middle of not an industrial area, but you know, an area that has some alleyways behind shops and things, and it's not the greatest views out from that garden. Um, so, I thought, well, maybe we could just plant something that not only is, you know, quite beautiful, but will grow very quickly. Screen the the chain link fence mm. relatively quickly, and the gardeners in this garden, the twenty odd something gardeners who always use bamboo, they're mm. growing all sorts of things in there, um, can eventually harvest. So I ended up buying 20 of the, yeah, the bambusa one and 20 mm. of another one. I can't remember what it was called. Some old English man sounding name, like Albert Joe, I don't know, something <laughs> like that. Anyway, uh, bought 20 of each and I bought them from a commercial 
only um, nursery, um, Plantmark. Mm-hmm. There's a few of them around, so you need an ABN or to work for a company to actually shop there. It's just one down on South Kippy. Yeah. South Kippy, I think. That's it. Um, there is, yes. Uh, so I think I went to the one in Thomastown. Mm. Um, I was very excited to go in there. I was like, ooh, I can finally come in here as a... It's going to be a very Melbourne show now as well. Definitely. <laughs> We're talking about the South Kippy in <laughs> Thomastown. <laughs> uh, but it was a, a great nursery, of course. You know, lots of not so much fruit and veg, a couple of fruit trees, but mm. a lot of, you know... Design plants, lots of grasses, lots of strapulated grasses, hedges, and bamboo. Um, and even with the discount for buying in volume uh, at a commercial grade level, we were still talking nearly fifty dollars oh, yeah. per twenty centimeter pot wow. of bamboo. Okay, the bamboo being maybe a meter tall, yep. and having uh, I don't know six to twelve stems. Mm-hmm in that pot, which I thought was quite expensive because most plants in a 20-centimeter pot are going to range between... Maybe $12, $15? $12, 15 yeah. up to maybe 25 30 for if a fruit a tree more. or yep. something or a berry bush. Yep. So we're talking double, basically, mm. if not three times the cost. And I thought, geez, that's expensive. But then I thought, well, it's not because how much money have I spent on bamboo in my life? Mm. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars, if not a thousand dollars. It seems like every year, more and more every things. year I'd go and buy, you know, a giant, um, you know, the hundred bamboo, 1.2 meter long stakes, and then you go buy some of the really big ones, you know, the two meter long, quite thick ones, and they're probably five bucks each, and it really adds up. So, yes, even if you're paying sixty, there were varieties there for sixty dollars for a pot. Uh-huh. Um, Think of it this way, buy once, cry once, because if you let them establish within a year and certainly within two years, you'll have an endless resource of bamboo to harvest for the garden and use. Sustainable. Sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, so have a, th- have a think about it um, and do your research in terms of particularly how big they get, how thick the stems get, because that's going to dictate the sort of trellises you can build. You might want to get a few different varieties, how tall they get and how quick they grow as well and do generally stick to the clumping variety. It's just going to give you and certainly whoever buys your house after you way less of a headache. <laughs> yeah. And I, if I think we, you, we mentioned it before but probably a closing note is if you are getting rid of that uh, of bamboo and clumping bamboo, a pickaxe is totally suitable. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a very, very, uh, you know, that clump can be very hard to maneuver and get out of the mm. ground again so best of luck in your combating of uh, of of unwanted bamboo and also best of luck in your propagation of wanted bamboo and yeah. your sustainable wood source if you're pulling out bamboo get in touch send us a text 0493 213 831 <laughs> let us know i'll come along i'll bring some secateurs and i'll cut out some for myself sounds good <laughs> Alrighty, let's get to a song uh, before we move into our last segment. Uh, this one, what, what's this one called, Brendan? This is Coast to Coast by a band called The Twerps. Hey folks, join us at the Radio Carom Trivia Night on Friday the 1st of March at the Carom Patterson Lake Sports Pavilion. 
Tickets are only $25 per person and includes entry into our door prize and a drink on arrival. Wonderful. Don't pass up this opportunity to win bragging rights for the rest of the year and win some fabulous prizes. Tickets are still available at Radio Caram's website, radiocaram.org. We'll see you there, folks. And we're back. We are back. On, ugh, what happened there? <laughs> Talking into the side of the microphone. Uh, the radio show. That's where we are. Radio Caram. <laughs> and this Friday, jumping back into it, we've got the Radio Caram Trivia Night. That's going to be happening 1st of March. Game starts at 7.30pm. That's it. As you heard from that advert, the tickets are still available, so mm. get amongst it. Prizes. Don't know what they are, but prizes. Prizes. There will there be will prizes. Be. There will be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that song again was Coast to Coast by Twerps. Mm. It's going to be a hot day tomorrow, isn't it? It Henry? is going to be a hot day tomorrow. A bit too hot for my liking. It's me too. And I'm going to be working in the heat. Mm. <laughs> but you know who else is working in the heat? Our plants. Lots of them, yes. And they're going to have a tough time unless we take a bit of care of them. So, gardening during hot times. Let's talk about it. Mm. How does he? What? How does it actually challenge the plants? Like, what? Why? What's yeah. going on? What is what's going, going on, on with heat waves? Uh, plants grow everywhere. Um, but yes, heat waves—they pose you know, significant challenges to plants. But some varieties, of course, uh, some species more than others. Um, not only the elevated temperatures, but also increased intensity of sunlight. Mm. Um, uh, potential water scarcity as a resort uh, as a result of this, and even things like hot winds that can come through, mm. uh, which all of which are factors, uh, particularly in Melbourne when we have heat waves, and all of which are present just at the moment. Uh, what I'm finding, there's very, very, very little water around mm. the trees that we can see. Uh, even the trees that have a lot of those eucalypts that have come down recently in the recent yeah. storms, uh, some of those leftover trees are really browning out now and yeah. they look like they're drying out considerably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've noticed that the grasses and things have turned a lot, have been quite brown just recently. We are in the last mm, week of winter now. We'll be, of uh, sorry, summer. of summer. <laughs> we'll be going into, into autumn. Uh, but obviously, and as with Melbourne, it can be still very hot and mm. very variable for some time. And it is a La Nina, no, El Nino year. So we're expecting hotter, drier conditions generally um, yeah. overall. And I I feel like we had a bit of a late start to the summer and it certainly has has gone on a bit longer than expected and will probably continue to do so. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting still to get chilies a month from now. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, something that we need to prepare for. And it's important to recognise signs of heat stress in plants. Now, we all know wilting mm-hmm. is a big one. Um Again, lots of plants wilt naturally as part of their cycle. If you're growing pumpkins, you know this. They'll wilt even on a mild day (laughs) with a bit of sun. Uh, But yellowing can be another thing. Uh, Leaf scorch, of course, um, in the most extreme cases. So really important to to recognise some signs and, yeah, have timely intervention. Um, and, And, of course, like with all things in the garden, prevention is better than cure. Mm -mm -mm. Mm. We're talking about watering and, and strategies for watering mm. and 
the, the first thing that pops into my mind is first thing in the morning. Yes. Where are we going to have, if we're talking about a strategy around something that's super hot and heat waves, um, we've got lower preci- precipi- precipitation uh, in the morning. So yep. less water uh, essentially getting taken up into the atmosphere mm. and a much cooler time during the day to, to allow those Evaporation plants. was the word you were looking for. Evaporation, Sorry. yes. Precipitation's the other way around. It is. So it's totally the down. other way around. <laughs> Thank you for correcting no. me. <laughs> so it's like, where's he going with this? No. All part of the same cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, look, on that note, um, you know, sometimes you can't water early in the morning, like me. <laughs> Tomorrow won't be able to because of the time that I have to wake up. Uh, I, I just I refuse to get up at 4.30 in the morning to water my plants. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Got to so draw the line somewhere. You can also do it in the evening as it cools down. Yeah, yep. But worth noting, it's especially important if you do it in the evening to – not top water. Okay. Don't have your leaves sopping wet overnight if you can avoid it. Um, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it will exacerbate things that you might already be seeing at this time of year. Powdery mildew mm-hmm. on your on your cucurbits is a big one. Uh, any fungal diseases that you might be creeping into your tomatoes or something, you're going to make them worse by top watering. Um, so just make sure you're watering at the ground level around the roots, avoiding the leaves as much as possible if you have to do it in the evening. Yep. Uh, and hopefully that's enough to get you through until you get home the next day from work. So when we're pre- preparing for a hot day, are we going to be doing a uh, a sprinkle shower or are we going to do a deep soak? Deep soak, I think, especially if you've got one of those days where it's going to hit high 30s, mm-hmm. mid to high 30s, deep soak. Deep soak, um, like you were watering, you know, like you might water your chilies once a week or something, mm. you know, with a really deep soak. If you want me to tell you a number of liters per plant, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> no, but but just give it a good amount a of good water. soak. Like you wanna you wanna know that that entire root ball has been wet. Mm. Uh, but of course, taking into account what type of soil you have, uh, if you have a very heavy clay soil that you're growing in. It's not going to take a lot of water to fully saturate that, mm. um, and you don't want it to. Also, you don't want to get heat stress and root rot <laughs> at the, <laughs> the same, same time. time. <laughs> Your plant will not survive that, most likely. No, I can't imagine <laughs> a plant's going to really no. <laughs> enjoy that one. Um, but there's lots of other lots of other methods. I mean, we'll go into some of the other things that you can do um, to ensure that your plants have access to water, particularly when you're not at home. And I'm talking, of course, if you don't have an automated automated timer an automated or irrigation timer. Yep. system. Yep. If you have one of those, brilliant. it's probably got a temperature monitor or you can increase the frequency. This conversation is not for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, you're going to be okay. Uh, you could still use shade cloth and things as well. But in terms of water, um, more strategies for people that don't have irrigation. Yep. So hand waterers. Hand waterers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Increasing frequency. Deep penetration um, in the morning, of course. Uh, and you can consider using something like an Oya. Yeah. So yep. O-double-L-A, Oya, um, which is, uh, I'm almost certain, developed in Mesoamerica. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thousands of years ago uh, as essentially a way to ensure there's always water available to roots. And what it is, do you know what it is? I do. Why don't you I explain do. it? Uh, 
If I can, sure. Yes. Firstly, I want to say thank you for this episode and last episode because you mentioned for me something about language and about Spanish and that's oh, yeah. the double L being a Y sound. Yes. So not olas, oyas. Oyas, that's all right. I like it. Once you know the rule, everything is different. <laughs> so I'll, You'll uh, be like, could I please have some paella? <laughs> they'll be like, oh, wow, you speak Spanish. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Of course, that makes sense. Ah. Uh, <laughs> there you go. You just made my day. Let's do a spotlight <laughs> on rice one time. I think that would be interesting. Um, you you were mentioning the the oyas. Mm. So the what I see is, or what I immediately comes to mind is a terracotta pot. Yep. Essentially, that is buried into the garden, um, allowing that top of the the pot to still, or the lip, or whatever it might be, to still sit just above or at the ground level, yep. and essentially what we're doing here is using it as a water storage device. It's worth saying, uh, when we say a pot, uh, a closed vessel. Pot. A closed vessel, mm. yes. Um, and being terracotta specifically allows two things, is when it's quite hot, that, natural, that will naturally leach mm. out water uh, because... Um, it's going to be drawing the water out. The clay is a permeable material. Yeah. When it's cold, the, that clay will retain the water and essentially it won't escape and just run off into the garden. Mm. And obviously it's not going to escape quickly. It's going to be a quite a slow a seep. seeping out of that. Um, and so essentially this is going to be like a wicking bed in some ways. It is the, the OG wicking bed. Mm. It's, it's definitely how I see it. Yeah, it's probably a good way to describe mm. the water seepage is wicking out of to out of the uh, out of the oya and into the plants and, and mm. ground around it. Fan- I like it. I think it's, it's a, a really one. cool idea. And look, terracotta are the the classic ones. Um, you can also make your own with terracotta pots. Mm. You know, putting sort of putting them, you know, top to top sort of thing and yep. making one and then blocking off the bottom hole. Yep, and sealing it and sealing sure it with silicon or something. Mm-hmm. You can do that and it could be very successful. They do have, you know, 21st century versions mm. that are, you know, um, made from different materials and can be sort of daisy-chained together to an irrigation system so that they're always kept filled. Mm. Uh, you can go down that route. Uh, it is worth noting that their effect is not as large uh, as a wicking bed, mm. of course. They have a sort of effective radius depending on the size that you have, but it could be, you know, anywhere from sort of 50 centimetres away up to a metre away for really big ones. Really? So, you know, it is really about um, ensuring that you have enough of them. So if you have a a garden bed that's maybe two metres by a metre, you're probably going to want two, if not three, planted in the middle. So it would work as well as a bit of a heat sink um, mm. uh, to keep the overall thermal temperature of the bed down if it's a raised bed as mm. well. Yeah, fascinating. The more that you think deeply into some of these ideas, it, it really makes a lot of sense. And if you have a lot of them and you've set up your garden where you have full coverage, mm. it's really great because all you have to do is walk around every couple of days, pop open the little lid, stick your hose in there, fill them up and just do that for all of them. Yep. Walk away, don't have to think about watering again for another you know, couple of days or a few days or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, have a think about Oyas, especially if you live in a place that gets really hot um, or just generally. 
Now, one thing we've spoken about heaps of times is location, 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 location. That's it. Talking about microclimates, thinking about where the sun hits the house or um, the, the, the land around wherever you're planting stuff, mm. what existing trees are there. Um, all of those sorts of things are going to be really important when we consider how water and heat will affect your garden. Yeah, that's it. Um, so choosing heat-tolerant plants... Yep, can also be very, very important. We actually looking at that the greening up the Sahara, the Sahara specific plants. We get in in, in there. There's a, a rainy season and a dry season yep. um, in the north of Senegal. So there's going to be a a time where for a lot of the year there's no rain happening at all. Yeah, uh, and how do we have trees that are going to survive that sort of infrequent? Um, uh, Watering, uh, they will need to be drought tolerant. They'll be likely need to be mm. also local to the area or be a species that has been um, developed in that area. Yeah. Um, to all of our Darwin listeners, mm. pay attention. <laughs> so that's, this probably applies to you as well. And choosing plants that have, or if you are mm. grouping up plants, grouping them up to similar water requirements. I think this is a classic, right, is having the Mediterranean herb bed, Mm. having the Southeast Asian herb bed Mm. because they have different water requirements and putting a lavender next to a Vietnamese mint, it's going to be very tricky to get that watering right. (laughs) They have quite different requirements. So very important with this sort of thing. Mm. I will mention as well in terms of plant placement is if you have plants in pots, don't be afraid to move them around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, yep. you might think that your your citrus in a pot, uh, assuming assuming you can move it, uh, needs to be in full sun all the time. If it's going to be a forty degree day, move that pot under a tree. It'll be fine. Yep. It'll it'll really be happy. For if it's it. on a patio and you've got one of those little bases with the caster wheels on it, oh yeah, roll them around. Roll them around. That's it. Yep. Put them yep. inside even for the day. You know, yep. uh, if it's going to be like that. I've actually no at all. just it, it, we've got a few uh, indoor plants that we've taken somewhat indoor to an a somewhat shaded indoor outdoor mm. area, uh, and I'm noticing that I actually have to change things around and move them quite frequently if it, if it's not working. Yeah, uh, right. so I can tell from a plant, <laughs> you know, the one of the dichondria, it's got this big hanging, um, uh, big hanging sort of indoor almost like an air-ish plant but yeah, quite right. loose and uh, and quite free. And that one where I had it set up, it just didn't like it at all. It was losing too much water too quickly, it needed mm. too frequent waters, moved it to somewhere where it was less, more shade, less direct sunlight, less ambient sunlight even, and it's doing a lot better there. Now. There you go. Loose and free. That's, that's the best description I've ever heard for a plant ever. <laughs> um, uh. So what else? Soil management, of course. It's important always, not not just because of heat waves, but it's always important to improve your soil structure um, which and, and your soil retention and that's through our favourite thing, mulch. Um, mulch. organic matter <laughs> and mulch, of course. Um, you know, mulch, of course, uh, conserves soil moisture, protects plant roots, um, lighter coloured mulches can obviously help to reflect sunlight as well, which is typically why we put a pea straw or something um, light coloured around our lettuces and things. Well, what about uh, that really cool looking black tan bark mulch? Oh, yeah, great. Uh, I hate that stuff. <laughs> I hate that stuff. Every time I go to a housing development and they've just chucked one of those gardens in with the same 
you know, I love low mandra, don't get me wrong, but it's just endless lamandra and black mulch. <laughs> and then you touch it in the middle of the day. It's about and it 700 burns degrees. your hands. <laughs> <laughs> only only lamandra could survive here. Um, so, yeah, uh, choose lighter colored mulches, of course, if you can. Even around your fruit trees, if, if you know you live in an area that's really warm or you're going to have a really hot summer um, and you want to put some wood chip type mulch around your trees, get some of the lighter varieties, you know, like kid safe mulch or play safe mulch, whatever it's called, right? Mm. Um, is typically a lighter color and is perfectly suitable. Mm-hmm. I've, we've spoken about it once or twice or we've highlighted it once or twice, but if you're in a local, you can really see the effect of how mulch works and breaks down quite quickly. Yeah. And if you go to a local um, playground next to where they've got the swings set up and you just dig maybe five centimetres or ten centimetres down, you'll see how it breaks down so oh, yeah. into that really crazy, like lovely dark brown organic matter. Mm. Uh, I had a. I'm going to digress back away from this heat stroke for a mo- moment, and I, I kind of came up with this little internal joke for gardening, which you just <laughs> did, and that is, whenever you need to ask yourself a question, what do I need in the garden? Just say om. Om. Sit down and say om, and it's going to be organic matter is I the am answer. Organic matter. That's brilliant. That's that's. You've that, created that's, something that's, here. That's, that's, well. I, I stole that from somebody. <laughs> That's a permaculture thing, but yes. And what doesn't matter what your problem is, the, the answer is organic matter. Is organic matter. Soil is too acidic, organic matter. Too yep. basic, organic matter. <laughs> Not enough water retention, organic matter. Too sandy or clay filled, organic Just matter. Just sit down, take a moment, <laughs> take a big breath, breath, if you say think, om. You think you've done everything and you're sitting back relaxing, organic matter. Organic matter. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep adding it. Um, you know, uh, but sorry for that digression. No, that's brilliant. Great one. Uh, so protective measures, of course. So this is one that's I think really important is using shade structures. Mm-hmm. So that could be either shade shade cloth. Um, it could even be an old cotton sheet. You know, it could be many different things. Just something to decrease that extreme sunlight on those really hot days. I told you about our cycad at uh, my father-in-law's oh, house the other you week. You did, yes. Yep, that's yes. got a shade cloth still up on it and it is... Just for it? Just for that one <laughs> cycad. I love that. It's brilliant. <laughs> special, it's really, really special cool. Special plant. And it's a, it is it is a brilliant looking plant as well. So, I can imagine. If it's um, getting that much care and attention, it must be very pretty. Um, so you can use, yeah, you can also use, you know, things like row covers as well. You can make... You know, structures with polypipe that you can cover. Um, even if you don't want to go that far, maybe if you've got a lot of pots in your garden, use something like old umbrellas. Buy yeah. a couple yep. of old umbrellas from the op shop, um, pull out the handle, like the handle part, but leave the stem mm-hmm. and then just shove them into your pot. I've seen that done very successfully. Yeah. Um, or just uh, I've seen lampshades. I've seen a lot of interesting shade structures. Be creative. I'm just imagining a Mary Poppins tomato just picked up off the balcony and floating away. Straight (laughs) up. I will say though, I have, I did see this. (laughs) I'm still laughing. Made me laugh, this poor person. I think this was like a gardening group on Facebook and I can't remember where they were living, Sydney, I think. Uh And they were having a heat wave and they said, um, yeah, we just had a heat wave. I put, um, you know, I did this trick with the umbrellas in, in my pots to protect my herbs. They all went well, but my sage completely died. I don't know what I did wrong. And they sent, they showed a photo of it, and they had used, 
<laughs> the clear, uh, <laughs> the clear plastic, the clear umbrellas. plastic umbrella. Yep. <laughs> Basically, just cooked to their magnified, completely <laughs> magnified the sunlight. Suddenly, the sage just bursts into flames underneath. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this poor person. Just, I don't think they understood. He made a, the he made a bush oven. <laughs> they didn't exactly. <laughs> um, they they cook to their sage, so you know, be careful with that stuff. Um, and of course, wind breaks. We talked about bamboo. Mm. Lots of different things you can use to to make wind breaks. Um, yeah. Particularly if you live somewhere that's really exposed. Maybe you're on the side of a hill, um, facing the northwest or something. Um, anything you can do to slow that hot wind down, because that's really what more than anything dries out soil really mm. quickly. Um, and yeah, gives you a lot of trouble. So we know about uh, we know about the some of the protective stuff. We were talking about watering before and mm. and how to how to water. Uh, but then of course knowing when to water. So a little bit of monitoring on that mm. one. We always can use the old finger into the into the soil That's method to see what happens. And but the another one is also like a moisture meter yeah. for the soil. They're not that expensive. You, no. can get, you can get cheap ones that are relatively okay yeah. and decent. I got gifted a, a water meter oh, and yeah. uh, um, that's exactly the plan for it. So it's going to be sitting in, in one of the garden beds and hopefully actually use it to trial out a few different garden beds to see what sort of um, mm. water retention is, is what the water retention is like at different points around the garden. Nice. I love it. Going, going all science with it. That's great. <laughs> um yeah, of course, based on that monitoring, um, adjust your water schedules based on different needs and weather conditions, as we said. But do be mindful, again, of overwatering because the last thing you want to do is root rot, um, which is in many cases fatal, mm. uh, whereas a bit of sun scorch you can come back from. So good to know. Preventative measures, generally speaking, uh, pruning is another good one. So Proving, pruning plants strategically to improve air circulation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which sounds a little bit like contrasting to what I said about windbreaks and wanting to stop wind. But if the issue is just heat waves and you don't really have a wind problem, you really want to make sure that you have good airflow around your plants to help keep them cool, especially mm. fruit trees and things like that. Yep. Um, so good pruning. And yes, if it's an ongoing problem for you, the best option really, um, the most, you know, idiot-proof option I suppose is is irriga- drip irrigation. Irrigation. Hmm. Drip irrigation, um, just very steady at the roots, at the ground level. The, the, it said the best way is drip irrigation under mulch. Hmm. Um, on top of the soil but under the mulch is is one of the most efficient ways to water plants. So very little water usage, mm. as much water retention, water getting to the the, the place where it's needed exactly. as opposed to, you know, spraying water. Sometimes, like we've said with sandy soil, um, it can be somewhat hydrophobic in yes. that it doesn't penetrate through very deep layers of sand mm. um, and you'll get this runoff, very quick erosion and runoff yeah, of, sandy, of sandy water. Um, so that's a really, really good... Good strategy, good advice. I will say actually on the watering topic, uh, I find that most people don't know how to water plants. They just don't know how to do it. They they just go until there's a puddle sitting there mm-hmm. and then they're like, all right, well, that'll soak in and that'll be great. 
No, that's terrible. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. What you want to what you want to do is encourage you know a, a drawdown effect of the water. You want the water to get sucked down. So, the way to water correctly is to do a very light water, especially if your soil is hydrophobic. The water should never ever be pooling on the surface mm. when you're watering, because then when it does get sucked down, it can get sucked down in almost like a a channel, a channel, mm. and completely miss roots. Yep. Whereas you want it to suck down all of the soil at once. So the best way to do that, very fine watering, moving your water wand or your hose quickly, mm. as quickly as possible so that you are misting the surface, never pooling water on the surface and then come back over it after that water has drawn in mm. sort of thing. So it might mean that you're going over your garden four or five times, but very lightly and what you will find is that once this has sort of started to happen more and more, uh, once that water started to sink in more and more, you'll notice it because as you run the hose over, the water just goes, mm. gets sucked down really quickly. That's how you know you've active, activated water. the soil sort of thing. Effective so watering. Have a try. Um, if you're the classic, and I'm guilty of it sometimes too, with the fruit tree, I just I turn on the hose and I just leave it at the root ball of the fruit tree and I walk away <laughs> you know, for, for five minutes. Um, but you actually get a lot more success making sure that all the soil is mm. sucking down water at the same time. And just to highlight another one on the watering one as well, we've all seen the um, flipped over upside down uh, soft drink bottle yeah, sort of approach. The, totally works. That's it's similar similar to an oya yeah. or a reverse yep. oya, yep. so to speak, but that could totally work, especially for plants in pots mm. when you're going away for a long weekend. Yeah, get a two-liter bottle, fill it up, and then very quickly flip it over, flip it yep. over, and shove it into the ground. And um, yeah, that works really well. Mm. What's the last little <sighs> bit about our heat wave? We're talking about observation. My favorite word in the garden: observation oh, yes. and adaptation. Observation and adaptation. Mm. So, just making sure that we check the conditions of the plants, adjust our gardening accordingly. Um, Think about what our hot days are going to be like. Think about what we need to do to prepare for them. Learn from our experiences between heat waves. Think about what happened with a previous plant. How did it react? How did it respond? Did it like this or did it not like this? Ensure that you're best equipped to, I guess, tackle those the next heat wave successfully. And, That's it. And keep and not lose plants. We want to keep and retain those plants. Um but then there's also the other one, and this is all about community. We are community radio. We encourage community. Mm-hmm. Learn from everybody. Learn from the locals. Learn from people who are around you. Learn from, you know, the expert gardeners, the novice gardeners, whatever it might be. Um, I'm sure people have got a bit of knowledge out there for you to share. We've got some events coming up. This pretty much wraps up the show for that this week. It does. I'm just actually bringing up an event here that I'm going to talk about. <laughs> there we go. I've got it. We're going to stretch um, it out a couple of weeks between this one and next episode. Is yes. that right? So we won't see you in two weeks. We'll see you in a few weeks. Um, so on the 19th of March. Um, so Tuesday the 19th of March uh, because that is in the middle of Permaculture Week. So Permaculture Week is running from um, Saturday the 16th to Sunday the 24th of March. A whole range of events, um, including Saturday the 16th at Downs Community Farm. Mm -hmm. Um, There'll be an event there. Come Um, and visit us. Say hello. Definitely. We'll be doing a tour and um, be making some hot compost maybe. 
uh, might be building our new polytunnel, mm, our 10 yep. by 5 meter monstrous polytunnel. Poly so exciting. Very exciting. My whole house is full of boxes of market garden <laughs> things. I, my whole, I just, looks, I look like a warehouse of stuff for the farm. Um, so yeah, uh, permaculture week. Have a look if you go onto um, the Facebook group, Mornington Peninsula Permaculture Network. Um, you will have a link there to our humanities page, where we have all of our events listed for the week. There will be things. Pretty much every day of the week or every night of the week. Um, we've got a movie night. We've got various tours of community gardens, the farm, um, and, a few, and, a, and a day of workshops as well. Um, so they're all there. Um, have a look. Come along. Always good. But on the Tuesday, to the 19th, we will be doing our show here. Live. Well, we're always live. But well, we are always live. Live stream. Live stream On video. Yep. <laughs> and why are we doing a video show, Brendan? Well, we talked about it a little while ago. <laughs> we were going to do our chili, our chili eating uh, or chili tasting session. That's it. Uh, it's going to be Caram Downs Hot Ones hot over ones. here. Caram uh, <laughs> Hot Ones. So we're going to be trying a range of chilies. Um, from our gardens, um, I'm also going to purchase a few uh, mm-hmm. from Specialty Grocer that does chilies. And shout out to people out there that are growing chilies. If you have grown a chili and it's going to melt our face off, and you want somebody, and to maybe you don't want to test it yourself, <laughs> yeah, you need a guinea pig. Come down to the farm on Saturday morning and drop off some chilies because we will gladly take some off your hands. Um, or it might even be just a, a wild and wonderful chili variety that you've grown and that you'd like to share and show off. And uh, we'll hold it up to the camera. We'll talk about it. Yep. Um, and, yes, they, we will try some sweet ones and we will, I guess, work our way up to some of the really nasty ones. <laughs> um, so see how long we last. See how long we last. And the hope is that we will answer uh, questions from listeners um, or ones that we find online that are pretty common as well and uh, and do so with increasing difficulty as our faces melt <laughs> slowly. <laughs> um, so, yes, we absolutely would love to see you. We'd love to get some chilies from you. Let us know what's been growing in the garden. Um, if This is a brilliant time, I think, if you're interested or you're curious about giving it a go in the garden, Permaculture Week, that is that is a springboard. I'd we will absolutely echo it and, um, and encourage people to get amongst it. That's it. And there will be events everywhere. So it doesn't matter where you live, um, there's likely going to be an event near you. So you can also go to the Permaculture Victoria website couldn't tell you what that website is, but Google it, uh, Permaculture Victoria, and that'll have a link to all of the different branches, including the Mornington Peninsula Permaculture Network um, and the events that they're running and hosting. And there was another event coming up as well, wasn't Yes, there? just one I wanted to quickly mention as well. So this is a workshop full of practical, sustainable ideas and actions that you can take to support local wildlife. Hey. Great course. So this is called Good For You, Good For Wildlife. Um, when is it? It is. I'm quickly looking through everything here. <laughs> um, I can't even see where it is. Sunday, Sunday the 24th of March. Oh, the last day of permaculture week. So okay. there you go. Yep. So we've got a, a very, bit of time. very timely. Um, this is from 10 a.m. 
uh, for a 10.30 start. It's a 45-minute presentation followed by a 15-minute Q&A and there will be finger food and refreshments, music to my ears, mm-hmm. from 11.30. Where is this? It's at the AWARE headquarters in Carrum Downs. So you can have a look um, on the Frankston City uh, Facebook page, I imagine. We will be there. It's on the Downs Community Farm Facebook page as well. Um, and you could look at AWARE Wildlife Rescue. We'll probably have information about it as well. It's only $10 and all the proceeds are going to the AWARE Wildlife Rescue Organization. What's the workshop going to cover? Learn about indigenous plants and how they support wildlife. Learn about no-mow lawns. Love it. Mm. And a lot more. Uh, be empowered to reduce secondary poisoning of species like the tawny frogmouth and the blue tongue lizard. Learn how to create green walls and microclimates for people and wildlife. Jeez, I want to go to this. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I, I hope I'm free. Um, be inspired to grow some native um, bush food plants. Enjoy some delicious finger food, incorporating native bush foods. Um, take home free tube stock plants for your garden, including hey. bush foods and examples of lawn replacement plants. And you get to meet and mingle with friendly wildlife rescue and care volunteers. That sounds so for good. For $10, Brendan. That sounds so good. Shout out to AWARE. Gosh, um, you're good spending for you. $10 on a cup of coffee at the moment. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> good for you. Good for wildlife. Um, yeah, check it out. Sunday the 24th of March. Love it. That's it. Wonderful shout out. And on that note, we're going to call it for another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining us. I'm about to fall asleep. It, this has been wonderful, but I'm you so, have done I'm so drained. Uh, yeah, it's been wonderful. Uh, so thank you, listeners, as always. Uh, have fun in your gardens and uh, happy planting. Absolutely. Signing out, Brendan and Henry. <laughs> <laughs>